Hi everyone, it's your host James Olson. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to share a quick reminder that Pacific Sound Radio has our very own playlist called Van City Jams. Van City Jams features bands and artists that we talk about in every new episode, along with a selection of our favorite local singles. The playlist is updated every week, so head on over to Spotify and expose yourself to some new and exciting Vancouver music. That's Van City Jams only on Spotify. We now return to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and on this episode, we are speaking with Ben, Hudson, and Jamie of The Gins. The Gins are an alternative pop-rock power trio who have amassed a growing national and international following thanks to their promotional savvy, engaging live shows, and refined melodic sensibilities. With the help of producer Dave Gen, the band's latest album, It's a Life, sees the Gins fully embrace their pop side with songs brimming with crunchy guitar work and anthemic choruses. Let's take a quick listen to a track off the record. This is A Clue. Well, guys, great to have you on the show. Let's do some quick introductions for listeners, just so everyone knows who I'm talking to. My name's Hudson Partridge, and I play the bass. My name's Jamie Warnock, and I play drums and do backing vocals. And I'm Ben Larson, and I play guitar and lead vocals. What have you been listening to recently? I'm always curious as to what people have on their playlists or Spotify or stuff like that. Um, I've been, um, pissing everyone off by endlessly playing Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd. I don't know why. I just, uh, just got into that recently and, uh, just completely has taken over my life. Sid Barrett has taken over my life, unfortunately. I don't, I, I don't know what happened. I know there's some people who prefer the Sid Barrett stuff to oh, yeah. the seventies stuff. So I've also yeah. heard, uh, I haven't listened to it myself, but I heard his solo record, the Madcap Laughs is pretty good. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just completely disjointed and you know, could probably call it more of a demo record, but it's got great ideas. I think it's kind of uh it's it kind of like just shows how how deteriorated his his mind was at that point um cuz he couldn't even really record a proper produced track at that point. But the the ideas of the songs are there and it's it's all brilliant. It's genius. What about you, Jamie? Was on the radio in the car. Hudson? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, not a lot of music lately. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I haven't been listening to a lot of music. Um, but just Spotify radio stuff. I just let the algorithm pick for me. Don't pay a lot of oh, attention. Oh, what about uh, Olivia Tremor Control? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was... Uh, Ben Ben showed me like I mean, ten years ago and uh, just got back into him. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's, that's uh, good. Cubist Castle. Yeah, yeah, that album is pretty sick. Oh, cool! Yeah. I'm not familiar with that band. What do they sound like? Um, they're kind of like a Beatles revival band from the '90s. They're on the that Elephant Six label with ah. uh, Neutral Milk Hotel mm-hmm. and Apples in Stereo and 
Yeah, like the album like starts early Beatles and ends kind of like late Pink Floyd. It's oh, like a, cool. a trip that starts happy and goes bad, sort of. Nice. Kind of I check that out. Oh, it's so sick. Yeah, because I like uh, I like Neutral Milk Hotel. I imagine it's like a different sound, of course, but like yeah, yeah, yeah it is. But, but it's it's you know it's it's similar enough. It's very different, but you know yeah, who, that, who like, is similar to Neutral Milk Hotel? Yeah, yeah, it's got the familiar like production, I guess, for mm-hmm. all those bands. Yeah, yeah. I think randomly I downloaded like a Discover Weekly playlist and like a Neutral Milk Hotel demo popped up and I forgot like how much I love like the guitar bass tone, like how thick and like crunchy it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, everyone or like the focus on those then that album tends to be like lyrical and stuff. But yeah, it is. Yeah, something about the guitar tone. Yeah. Yeah. With the saturated acoustic pickup tone where they just... Are we talking about Neutral Milk Hotel here? Yeah, not yeah. Neutral Milk Hotel, yeah. Yeah, isn't it just, he's just using an acoustic guitar and they just cranked the gain on it, just made it sound. Oh, is that all it was? I think so. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, yeah I, I just really love that sound for whatever reason. It's just so crappy. How can you not love it? But yeah, delightfully <laughs> crappy. The gins draw a number of comparisons to Nirvana, though you have cited the strokes as a much more significant influence on your sound. What musically makes the gins its own thing? Well, I would I would say that we well the Strokes like we like to say that they're our biggest influence, but I can see how we've kind of um, <laughs> we've uh, we've kind of dri- we've drifted away from the garage rock sound for sure. Um, you know, we I think that what's fun about the Gins is that we just we like we like to try to merge our favorite bands together and not really care about the genres. So yeah, like it, it's, you know, our, our scope of genre for the band is, is pretty broad. Yeah. Like I was thinking about this lately and, um, you know, those like, po- or like videos on YouTube, like what's in your bag and stuff. And like the musician goes to the record store and yeah. picks out like their most influential, al- influential albums and everything. And it's like, like those are probably not, you know, it's it's probably just what they've been listening to recently. I don't think anyone really has like the like one band that's like your whole life revolves around. It's like that stuff's always changing. We've yeah. been a band for so long. It's like it's just like different influences like filtering in and out and yeah. Would you say there are any like left field influences? I mean, the Strokes and Nirvana, for example, kind of like not expected yeah. or obvious, but you kind of yeah. you can see that in the band. Of course. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, well, for lesser known bands, like here's, a, that's the thing is that what Hudson's saying is like, you start naming all your favorite bands. You're not, they're not even necessarily directly influencing you, but I saw a comparison to one of our newer songs, a YouTube comment where someone said that we sounded like the cars, mm, which was actually good. a huge compliment. Rest in peace, Rick. Yeah. Rest in peace, Benjamin. We love you. We love, love the cars. So your latest record, It's a Life, uh, dropped just a couple days ago at this time of recording. What has the response been like to the release so far? It's been a bunch of crazy kids just insanely hyped on Instagram. But other than that, it's been pretty chill. I mean, we we released, in our opinion, the best songs as singles before the record came out. So now that it's like this is now that the full package is out it's great and people can finally see our full vision for the record but you know 
like a lot of the songs in the record have been out for a while so it's uh it's just it's just i think the fans are just excited to have the whole collection of songs together yeah um yeah i mean yeah it just seems like a lot of positive reaction but hey, you guys you guys wrote in the wilderness all, all weekend i had to deal with the shit storm <laughs> online yeah, yeah. yeah i vaguely tried to catch up to um but it was good it was it was solid i think you know as long as as long as the people are happy i haven't seen a single negative comment but usually they'll come in later maybe maybe it's good to have critics online because then that means you're actually you know rub you know you're, you're pissing someone off it's that maybe that's a good thing i always found a strong reaction one way or another is a good thing <laughs> well like, unless it's just hate yeah it's unbridled hate and well, they're just like that's the thing is that pe- like, people get jealous right so when it at the in the moments of the band's history where we are growing the most is when we get the most um critical it's not even critical feedback it's usually just a bunch of trolls online online. just you know trying to like just just trying to point out our obvious flaws as people like i'm sorry we're not perfect when really (laughs) they're just upset with themselves that they can't get the discipline to get themselves to put something out yeah the trolls are great we didn't have the trolls there wouldn't be any fairy tales (laughs) <laughs> our, our bridges would be unprotected yeah. it's a life as a title can be read a few different ways what would you say is the overall theme of the album um hear disappointment in yourself and everyone around you Just in society utterly <clears throat> utterly destroyed down and out done you're done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's more it's more of a sobering kind of um, you know take on things like Death Wish is so extreme. Like our first EP, like the title and the all the all the songs were so externally external. You know the, but I I feel like yeah I feel like this record is more. Um, it's you know you're kind of it's more reflective it's more reflective record and it's kind of supposed to it's supposed to kind of reflect maybe the sobering aspect of uh you know self-reflection yeah i think in a way like it at least like with the title and stuff like kind of has a lot to do with like just being in a band like our album art is like very it's like going on tour inspired and i think we're like at least the title is sort of referring to those moments when you're on tour and like a dead show out in Arizona or you're like going every weekend to work on a record and you're kind of like, what are we doing guys? And you know, it's, it's a life. Like, it's a life. Yeah. Mamma mia. <laughs> I guess with, when it comes to the self-reflection where there's like specific songs that you felt might've been tied to like, you know, that the great pause that was the pandemic and I guess writing and recording this album during that time. I uh, can't say so because we wrote the whole record before the pandemic. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it took it took a minute, but you know, um that's just kind of covid for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people's lives would be different if uh if that pandemic didn't hit, but we dealt with it and we're still still together and we're still ready to write another record eventually. You know, we're not this isn't, you know, our final statement. Yeah, I'd say we're a good way there to yeah. writing another record. Yeah, exactly. We've got a lot of, we've had a lot of time. 
This new record is the second project you've worked on with producer Dave Genn. How did you collectively approach this LP differently than the Death Wish EP? Four beers a night instead of three. You heard it from Jamie. Four <laughs> beers. So it's uh, it's a little more sloppy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's actually it's it's almost a tighter record in a way. Like it's just so just airtight. I mean, both both records are um, credit to Dave, but um, this time we had a producer named uh, Adam Casper. He's actually pretty famous. Um, and we never met him, but we talked to him over email because uh, I guess he's just kind of an elusive guy. And he, when he was mixing the record, uh, air quotes, um, he was actually kind of taking a lot of creative liberties with the, with the project and a lot, a lot of things improved with Adam's input for sure. So yeah, it was almost like remixing the record. I think that that would be the main difference between the two records is, uh, Adam's input. And obviously Dave is a very slick producer. He has amazing equipment and guitars, so it sounds similar, but it's different. It's... It's its own thing for sure. How um how it, this it, you're trying to describe this of course, but uh, how different would you say some of the songs sounded before Adam you know worked his magic on them? Jin Sabbath is probably the only one that really changed because mm. he completely rearranged the drums, and I had to learn a new drum beat for it. Shit. Yeah, he would also take harmonies from certain parts and like add them in to sections like you know nothing too crazy but he would he would really surprise us with uh with with his um decisions that he makes send us mixes over email and we'd we'd normally just be blown away so adam thank you so much if you're listening what were your creative goals for it's a life and do you feel you were able to achieve them i don't think we really came in with like set goals <laughs> no, right we were just like we we're gonna make a record and uh it was yeah. it, it was kind of like that. It did feel like, yeah, like the way that we wrote the record and produced it was we had like a month after we got back from this U.S. tour in 2019 where we played like 30 shows in a, in a very short, it was like a six-week road trip. And, it, and we, were, we were practicing a lot of the new songs, so we were really tight with all this new material. And we kind of just went in and quickly put the beds down like there wasn't too much thought put into it like it's not like we were trying to make like a an amazing you know concept record or something like we were really just like oh we have these songs we like there's quite a few of them let's just put them let's put them down and see how they sound um and uh what happened after is covid hit in march 2020 so we had to stop the production of the record and yeah, and then we just ended up working on these songs that we that we kind of hastily hastily went through pre-production, and then we kind of like hash hash out the production over the course of a year, pretty much because of because of COVID. We were supposed to play the rickshaw right before the uh, pandemic hit. Oh yeah, so, the War Baby show. I yeah. remember that. I was stoked to see that show so it's nice now that we finally get to go back there on friday yeah what uh influence did gen's experience working with pop hacks like marianne's trench uh have on the sound of the album i think no i think yeah like i think that we were a way less poppy band before dave obviously um you know when you have that level of production you do end up being 
pigeonholed as as more of a pop i see a lot of people calling us like pop punk sometimes or pop alternative pop grunge people use that terminology a lot to describe us and i don't think they ever did before dave to be fair dave's just a really good audio engineer and knows how to get the best sound at the source knows how to get the songs on the airwaves yeah like i'd say with our records like self-produced like album and ep before dave and um and then working with dave like like dave definitely like helped us like clean up the sound polish it more like and definitely work in more dynamics i think like i was saying to like ben the other day like our early stuff kind of has like a if we stop we'll die feeling to it like it's just like live off the floor and the energy is just like yeah and, and non-stop. like the tempo is just slowly rising through the track just like it's good put it out like no click at all just no there was never any <laughs> yeah, click yeah. there was no yeah, literally click. every song speeds up the first songs <laughs> yeah. that we did with the click were the death wish ep yeah and um you know it goes back to like being trying to be like the strokes where we really wanted or i i think i i kind of just wanted the gins to be very stripped down kind of like the strokes first record all the time and dave kind of convinced us that we didn't need to be we're not he pretty much convinced us that we're not stylish enough that we do need to dress it up and he was right he was right you know um our songs our songs are better off um with with the with his style of production rather than the more stripped down stuff that we attempted to do before working with dave yeah but at the same time like in the studio with him and everything like i uh Definitely witnessed a lot of uh, Ben fighting with Dave on no, his decisions, no. and not fighting, but like, like you know, you always have your own opinion. It's like it's not like Dave like fully took the reins and like mm. produced the record. It's like we definitely know what we want to sound like, and like mm-hmm. Dave helps us achieve that. But um, at the end of the day, we're the band. Yeah, where there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of breaking down what what is the best idea and. Dave's style is that he pretty much needs you to argue your point for him to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious about that because obviously um, even comparing with death wish, like this one definitely sounds brighter by comparison. Mm-hmm. And I know obviously Dave, you know, I mentioned that he's worked with pop acts like Mary S trench, but he also comes from a rock background having played with Matthew Goodband and also with 5440. So, yeah, I agree. It's a, it is a it is a brighter record. It's longer, so we needed more of a dynamic. So there's some slower songs in there, more contemplative. People called Clementine Americana, um, which I didn't. I was not trying to write an Americana song, but I guess that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's more varied, and uh, I think yeah, you're right. And that's kind of why that album art is a little sunnier too. You know, it's kind of a daytime summer record, maybe. It's funny you mentioned Clementine because that's definitely a song that stands out on the album and kind of like just in terms of the songs that you've released so far to me. Were there instances throughout the recording process, particularly with that song, where you were like collectively challenged to get out of your musical comfort zone? No, I just had the I had the acoustic track and Hudson and Jamie just were down to have it on the record and uh you know, I'm. I just think that it's a good. It's 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 a good. Uh, it's good break from our, the usual stuff. So, you know, if it if it, I think that if it was, uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to compliment myself, but I think it probably is one of the better acoustic songs I've written. So I mean, if it was no, if it, it would have every song has to be at least like a a good song to be on the record. And at at that moment, it was it 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 was better than the rest of the cut tracks that didn't end up making it on the record. And it was just it was just a an easy decision to just. Hey, let's let's just put an acoustic song on the record, you know. How many songs do you wind up recording in total? Uh, for the record? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, yeah, just those ten. Okay, but I imagine there's some other songs that you demo. Yeah, that we you were like, we nah. demo we demo tracks before we get into production. Yeah. So there's, I think, from that there was a lot. There was a lot of demos. So many. They all suck. You'll never hear them. Unless you want to put out that B-Sides record at yeah, some point. <laughs> that's that's when we go worldwide and we're all washed up and need money. Deluxe edition. Yeah, Deluxe we need money support. now. <laughs> yeah. um, from what I understand, most Jin songs are written collaboratively, though on the new LP, Effigy was written specifically by Hudson. Do you see individual members contributing their own songs to future releases more frequently? Uh, yeah, like I said, like as long as a song is stands out in its own unique way, there's no rules in the band. There's no, no one's, you know, it's no rules, man. No rules. We we really liked Effigy, and uh, I think we kind of had to convince Hudson that it should be a song at first, because it was challenging for us to play it live at first because it was so different. But um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that we. Did that uh, like I said, the the records really varied in genre. That's definitely more of a throwback to our garage rock kind of interests. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to have variety. You think you'll you might contribute more songs specifically, Hudson? Uh, if I come up with any that are any good, but you know, we'll see. Hard to write a good song, man. It is. It's hard. Were there any like bands or records that served as a reference point for the group during the creation of its life? Again, just because it, the record does sound different from what you've released before. Mostly, we were just trying to make the new songs that we wanted to make, not with any general direction in mind. Yeah, so like I said, like it's it the the record is a little all over the place with the genres. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't really have anything in mind specifically with what we wanted it to sound like. We just thought, hey, these songs are good. This is us. We people will listen to this record and and perceive it in their own way. It's not we're not trying to, you know, fit any uh, um, niche or anything like that. We just want something that represented us uh, in the most authentic way. Yeah, and like the title of the record that came last, like. Uh... These um, songs were written probably over the span of four years. And uh, so it's not like we had like, it's a life and we need to write songs to fit that vibe. But it's, it's a life uh, was a song. It is a song. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And we almost like, we were saying like, can we name the album that? Like if the song's not even on it. And um, I argued the Houses of the Holy. There you go. Know? I was just yeah, going to say, yeah. that's the first example so maybe, that popped uh, in my head. Maybe it's a life will eventually the song maybe the song it's a life will find its way under record but yeah i don't think that's a dead b-side i think yeah, uh that one's worth bringing back could possibly be. the demo's shit though i, I listened to it the other day it's bad. <laughs> okay yeah well still gets stuck in my head sometimes oh thank you that's, work in progress it's so nice you guys was it the bass the bass line you're playing no no it's uh 
It's a little vocal hook. Oh, the I mean, songs hook. don't get stuck in my head. Five second snippets of songs get <laughs> yeah. stuck in my head. Your brain's like TikTok, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I know the, the album just dropped a couple days ago, but do you have any idea what the next EP or LP might sound like? Do you see the band continuing in a more pop direction or maybe making something more artsy and abstract with the next release? I'd say come to a live show because we're uh, playing a lot of songs that are probably going to be on the next record. Oh, cool. Yeah. At the rickshaw, I think maybe five of the songs off the record will be played and all the rest will be new that you haven't heard. That's sweet. Yeah, the rickshaw, July 7th, this Friday. Let's go. So outside of the gins, I understand uh, Ben and Hudson work as animators. Uh, how have you been able to apply your skills in visual art towards promoting the band? Yeah, we kind of just rely on ourselves for a lot of the media stuff and um, artwork. Like, we animated the video for Metro. We we drew the album art for both Death Wish and the new record. We made all the album art for all the self-release stuff. We kind of just... Yeah, all the logos are... Yeah, sure yeah, 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 it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun and I don't want anyone else to do it because then they're having fun and then we also have to pay them while they're having fun. I'd rather not pay anyone and have fun myself and, and draw a little, a silly, a silly little artwork for the band. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I guess between the, the two of you or probably collectively as well, like how do you agree, how do you agree on a cohesive visual aesthetic for the group in terms of the artwork and the videos and stuff like that? It's all very graphic design oriented. Hudson and I have the, we have pretty similar art styles, just both coming from a uh, illustrative character um, animation background. So, you know, we're, we both work in cartoons. I think a lot of the Jin stuff is kind of that cartoony kind of look. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's that much thought put into like a cohesive thing. I think it just, if hopefully it is cohesive, it just yeah. kind of happens. Like, yeah, it's kind of that whole thing with the band is that we just we just have no like we don't really care at all if there's no um yeah if there's if there's no overarching kind of vibe. I think that we just trust that our vibe is uh, is cool enough that it'll all just kind of wrap itself together in a nice little nice little box like with a little bow on it little Christmas present. Yeah, we're winging it here. Yeah, we're just completely winging it. <laughs> There's no <laughs> secret genius to it. It's just, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no five-year plan. Yeah. Got a question for Jamie, actually, because I know Jamie, outside of the gens, moonlights on drums for uh, Surrey-based hip-hop artist Mercules. What has your experience been like working with him, and what lessons from the business have you been able to glean working with kind of an artist in a different genre, but also within the same, like, you know, touring with him and stuff like that? Networking is a big thing, so you always got to make connections everywhere you go. Um, Billing for everything, like, that's something that our band could learn to do a little bit better than what we have been for in the terms of business side of it. But uh, also just like actually having a team of people to help helps. So it's like Cole's not out there booking everything himself. He's got people to do it. He's got a manager that's booking him. So we're, we're slowly moving into that with having 604 manage us under the management side and then also be the record label on that side because they're helping us get an agent. So 
it's small steps towards getting to where it would be. But yeah, eventually we'll be on a tour bus and then it's a never ending sleepover party for the gins. Nice. Well, yeah, at a certain point, I imagine it'll be nice to not have to be in, as involved in every element of the admin side of the band. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but at least we know from doing it the kind of people that we would have to get on the team to help us make it work. Yeah, and having the money to yeah. hire those people as well. Yeah, that's, that's, other thing. Uh, that's what the, the Bank of 604 is for. Yeah. That being said, I understand that the band uh, develops and creates your own merch entirely in-house and uh, has run giveaways for custom products on occasion. Who's the brains behind that operation? Ben started the the screen printing back when we first started at the house that we were living at, and then it's just slowly evolved, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we got to give credit to Hudson because he runs the whole shipping side of things and he lets us use his basement, so... All the t-shirts is, in that basement. I've been to that basement before. <laughs> it's a collaborative effort. Um, Hudson designs the shirts sometimes. I design the shirts sometimes. Um, Hut, yeah, Jamie just dries them with the uh, what is that thing even called? Heat gun. It's a heat. It's a heat gun. It's uh, probably the best thing we've ever invested in because you don't have to hang up the shirts anymore. You just dry them. Yeah, nice. We don't have to wait a week anymore to print a second design on a shirt. You can dry the ink and have it ready in five minutes. Hell yeah. Where um, where do you get like inspiration for new merch items? I think we've, we've kind of come up with an aesthetic for every single lately that we've released. Like Metro had a very streamlined, um, just kind of subway signage, uh, subway map looking very clear and, and clean cut uh, aesthetic that we uh, use as inspiration for that shirt. And then for Effigy, um, we use a single art, which Hudson drew. And then Hudson also designed this uh, Swirly Bird design, which uh, is going to be our new band logo for the foreseeable future. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah I see like, I know obviously gins, pigeons, but I see like an eagle with that Swirly Bird. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's probably Hudson's. Uh, yeah, it's the one I'm the back. I'm looking at <laughs> Hudson's uh, spirit animal. Jamie's, uh, coming uh, new through. sweater right now. Yeah, you can make it look like all kinds of birds based on the proportion of the beak size and mm. the forehead and the jaw. Yeah, people say it looks like a um, plague doctor. Oh yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the band returned to the tour circuit in full swing last summer and is hitting up uh, interior BC and Alberta in mid July. What are some memorable moments from the road, and are there any specific shows for this tour that you're really excited about? Uh, obviously, we're excited to play the rickshaw in Vancouver, which I guess you could say it's our the tour kickoff. And then we're playing uh, a bunch of great shows in the interior. We're playing um, Kamloops on July 12th, playing Cologne on the 13th, and then Vernon on the 14th. So it's going to be a little... You know, all those towns are pretty close to each other, but I heard they have different draws, so we'll see how that goes. And then we have the Palomino in Calgary on Saturday, July 15th, which is during the Stampede, so we're hoping to get some of that Stampede action. Nice. The Rowdy Cowboy action. I forget, when does Stampede start and end? No clue. Okay. <laughs> you're, the, you're the Calgarian. I thought you know by heart. I think it's different every year. Oh, okay. It? And, uh, yeah, any... 
every memorable moments from the road, especially all the times that you've toured? Got got to be some moments from like that thirty date tour you did in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I mean, from our last like uh, West Coast tour, I think what made that most memorable is we were just plagued with car issues, and uh, that tour was kind of constant problem solving. But you know, the shows made it all worth it. They were uh, well attended, and we had a great time. Um, yeah, and I guess it was memorable how stupidly hot it was. It was like forty five degrees yeah. down there. That was crazy. Holy shit! Way too hot. Because you said you'd head up like Arizona, so I imagine that was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and like California too, it was just a crazy <laughs> heat wave. Yeah, and the rental van that we had to get after our van broke down, I think going th- right into Arizona the one day, the temperature hit 115 Fahrenheit. Holy, it's like almost yeah. 50. Yeah. Yeah, my God. The group is quite savvy on TikTok, having amassed 200K plus followers. How have the gins been able to make the most of this platform? We don't think about what we post. <laughs> uh, it's just funny. I think TikTok is such a casual app that I think it's more important to just be funny on that app than anything. And you will get a lot of hits if uh, if your if your TikTok goes viral. Um, it goes viral. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, the thing is only a small percentage of those people watching the TikToks will continue to be interested in the band. I think, uh, most people on TikTok just think it's really funny that I look like a certain someone, which I don't appreciate, (laughs) but I, I was going to say Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) No, it's been a good tool, though, and I think it's just fun to meme around, just to joke around a little and just humble yourself a little, and it's been it's been a good connecting point for a lot of fans, for sure. The Gins have been a group for almost 10 years now. How have you grown as people and musicians during your time together in this band? Yeah, that's the funny part. We really haven't. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I really... <laughs> I feel like I've regressed spiritually. <laughs> um, but uh, we used to we used to have a lot of friends. We used to live we used to live in a big house. Now we all got we got sick of each other. Now we moved very far away from each other, opposite quadrants of the city, as far away as possible. And um, we're now we're just cranky old adults. That's all I got to say. It's all, it's all just, you know, down the drain, man. I'm almost 30, <laughs> dude. Come on, man. Next month. Yeah, next month. But we are actually friends. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, uh, the let's just say the house we used to live in. Uh, yeah, you can only have 10 roommates for so long. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Ooh. That's giving me flashbacks to being in college with like 20 other guys. Oof. Um, what does 2023 have in store for the gins? For the rest of the year, I should say. Uh, 2023, yeah. I mean, we we have this string of shows, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to book a few more, but Jamie is hitting the road with Mercules, so we are, there's a bit of a conflict of scheduling. So we're probably going to try... We're hopefully going to do another big tour next year. And uh, I think that if we put our resources together, it'll be our best tour yet, for sure. 
but um, that's that's definitely something that we're going to try our hardest to make a reality. The tours, tours we've learned over the years take a lot of time to book because there's just so much that goes into it. And if you can start about six to eight months in advance, then you have sufficient time to book hotels, book the venues, do proper promotion, and basically just let people know that you're coming to their city that if they want to come out and see you to buy a ticket. So giving our, giving ourselves extra time to put a tour together like that, I'm sure that it'll it'll reward us in in a way that we haven't seen before. Beyond our wildest imagination. We might actually be able to afford Taco Bell this time. Ooh. I'd get one of those Crunchwrap Supremes if they still sell those. Yeah, the boys don't like it when we get those in the van. Yeah. No, I was, I was, Jamie, I was lying to you about how expensive Taco Bell was. I just didn't want you to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican food on the road is dangerous if you're trapped in a van together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> um, what local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the show for a future episode? Well, David's coming in for his interview next, isn't he? <laughs> James is on. Mm. Have you? Well, we got some great uh, openers at the rickshaw this Friday. We got Slatest Clue, and they're they're real up and comer. They're great. Definitely want to have them uh, on the show. Real, real Bilby Point. Real cool tracks. Bilby Point is uh, more on the garage rock kind of strokesy crooner side of things. Also, some some nice guys, and then. We got autonomous apes, which I think that they're more kind of grungy, punky, aren't they? I've never actually met them, but I have good faith that they're that they're going to kill it at the show. And I'm super excited to have all three bands on the bill. Good stuff. Um, call it there. But thanks again for coming on the show, guys. Excited thanks about for the having record us, and looking forward to seeing you guys on Friday. Thanks so much, James. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Before we close this episode off with one more song by our featured guest, I just want to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio and on our website at pacificsoundradio.com. If you like the show, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. This is Feel It Inside. This is